Vincent Werbergs, Derby. I said at the beginning, if you were here, we had a treat for you this evening. We've got Preach Mania tonight, which means we're going to hear from four different people uh, about home. I encourage you to encourage them. Uh, none of them have done this before in this church. So they're going to have five-ish minutes, five-ish minutes each. We're going to have two, and then we'll have a little bit of a break and stuff, and then we'll have two in a little bit of time. So, Hannah, if I could invite you up first. If you don't know Hannah... Look at that. Incredible. Hannah is one of our students. You've been with us since the very beginning, haven't you? Fantastic. Great. So I'm going to pray for you, Hannah, and... Um, Pray for us too as we listen. Father God, we thank you so much for Hannah. Lord, we ask that you would use her, you'd speak through her this evening. Open our ears to what you've got for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much, Andy. Um, so as Andy said, my name's Hannah. I'm a student here at Derby. Um, so my first thoughts I had about the meaning of home to me were being surrounded by those who love and care for me, but also finding belonging in the church. God's house. So I was brought up in a loving environment and surrounded by family and friends um, in church, which I cannot thank my parents enough for. However, as I have wrestled with my place and identity, as many young people have done and still do today, I have learned something so precious about home through the hard times. One of the situations that led me to question um, my belonging um, but then following learning and growing um, was when I lost my dad at eight years old. Um, this was probably um, the hardest time and most painful time as, as, um, as a family. But as I look back now, I'm so grateful for that time and that journey because it's what taught me what I know today. Um, Psalm 27 verses 4 to 5 says, I have asked the Lord for one thing, one thing only do I want, to live in the Lord's house all my life, to marvel there at his goodness, and to ask for his guidance. In times of trouble, he will shout to me. He, he will keep me safe in his temple and make me secure on a high rock. The Lord gives us the promise of comfort, of peace, and of hope. And I know, my, I know now that no matter what I question, no matter what I feel and experience and go through, that I belong to a mighty and loving Father. And he invites us to make a home within him. There's a cliche phrase that says, home is where the heart is. But for me, home is also where I find my security. And for me, that's in Jesus' life, death and resurrection, knowing that I am forgiven and free from guilt, shame and condemnation. Because I believe this, I know that one day there will be no tears, there will be no pain, there will be no anger in our eternal home. Revelation 21 verse 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. It often doesn't seem this way, but this time on earth, and the sufferings of this world are temporary. Studying geography at university has made me love this world and the environment even more than I did before. And our creator God has formed this incredible earth for us to live on, but only temporarily. For now, what a privilege and opportunity it is 
if you know Jesus here today, to share God's house and our home, um, our temporary resting place, with those who do not yet know how loved they are by our eternal Father. Our friends and our families, they don't know that they have a place in the final resting home. And despite finding home and lifelong friendships here at Werbs, my home in Derby is also temporary. I don't know where I'll be next or in 10 years, but I know that he knows, and I know that wherever he is, I will have a home there. Hope for our future destination means that we can live securely in our present home with the Lord. Finding home in him is one of the greatest gifts we will ever receive, and it's the most wonderful feeling that I have ever felt in my life. Being comforted by my heavenly father, knowing that myself and my identity is secure in him. When we rely on the Lord and ask for his guidance, he provides for us a place where we can just be. We don't need to despair. We don't need to strive. We can just be his children who are dearly loved by him. So I believe that home is a place that you have a little more hope a place where you can pause, breathe, and recharge, where the promises of rest, guidance, and peace are present. The Father is our home, and he is who I belong to. And I know my dad is in his final resting place, his true home, and it brings me great comfort and joy knowing that we will see him once again one day when it's our turn to come home. So this is what home means to me. Um, what does home mean to you? Where do you find your hope and peace? And is God calling you home today, this Christmas time? Um, the next person who's going to come and speak to us is James. Um, James, you've been with us since the very beginning. Since day one, yeah. Day one. I remember, I remember meeting James, um, I think it was in one of the evening prayer meetings midweek, and you were all wrapped up. Because when we first started, for those of you who weren't here, it was absolutely freezing. We didn't have kind of big heating. And so all of us looked like Michelin men, really, didn't we? And then in January, we had our first alpha, and you guys turned up, and you, you didn't have your big coats on anymore. I was like, lost weight immediately. Amazing. James, I'm going to pray for you um, and for us too. Father God, I want to thank you so much for James. Thank you, Lord, for the words you've given him. Holy Spirit, open our ears to hear what you've got for us. Amen. So what does home mean to me? Uh, this is a question that was asked of me and set before me uh, a couple of weeks ago now. And really, I have no idea what home means to me. I think I'm not the only one. I think society across the whole does not know anymore what home means to them. I think our kind of traditional ideas and thoughts and values about home have been chipped away at over recent years and decades. And we're kind of lost meandering people. But simply put, I want to suggest that home is a gift from God, and a gift from God that comes with a specific set of responsibilities. Uh, I don't know if you remember a time when you used to flick through TV channels, when you used to go from channel to channel in the hope that you would find something that was on TV that could entertain you for half an hour. Uh, you don't really get this anymore because now there's the gods of Netflix and Amazon who can summon on demand exactly what it is that you want to watch. But it used to be a time where you have to, had to ch uh, channel hop and just hope that something was on. Uh, inevitably, when you did this hopping, you would come across 
a home improvement DIY show, uh, a show where you'd have a team of tradesmen and like an exuberant designer, uh, someone like Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen, who would turn around your house and redecorate it while you um, went off to the countryside for a weekend away and when you returned, your home was all beautiful. I think there's a hundred of reasons as to why these TV shows became so popular. But the one that I want to suggest is uh, that perhaps we've become a society who's become fixated and fascinated by quick fixes and efficiency. Uh, when something isn't to our liking anymore, uh, or something isn't quite right, we outsource the problem. We get a tradesman in to fix it, um, and we make it their responsibility. But there's an issue. We've not just outsourced the practical things in our home, we've outsourced uh, our personal responsibilities as people living within a household, within a family, within a society. Um, so for instance, let me just put this out there. Has TV uh, replaced conversation in your home? Uh, does your child perhaps see more of someone on YouTube on their mobile phone than they do of you each day? Do you hope that you, your marital problems might be fixed by listening to a 20-minute podcast by some random person across the other side of the earth who has no idea who you are uh, and can't ask you specific probing questions? Do you now forego reading the Bible for yourself uh, to instead spend five minutes at max on an app each day to read the thoughts of someone else who's read the Bible? Have you replaced family devotion times with actually just coming along to church and palming your children off to a paid employee on a Sunday morning because they'll do the job better? The list goes on and on when you really think about it. And I think the common thing to this list is kind of personal selfishness um, and a lack of personal responsibility. I feel like I'm telling you all off here. I'm not, I promise. Um, what I want to suggest is that we've perhaps lost the art of cultivation when it comes to our homes. The art of actually being present in our families, working, grafting, and committing ourselves to a home that is saying, honouring to God. This is something that's been on my mind a lot recently about what my home makeup looks like, because uh, next month we're expecting the, first of our, the birth of our first child. Um, and when you find out about a child kind of stepping into your life, a baby, you really start to evaluate yourself. Uh, I started thinking about what I want the house to be like, because obviously you want the baby to be born into the best possible set of circumstances. When I think about this, I think what I want my child to be born into is a home of faith, hope, and love. This culture of faith, hope, and love is not something which can be outsourced to someone else to do for me. I cannot get in a tradesman to do that for me. Joshua writes in chapter 24, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served, for as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He then proceeds to have a chat with the Israelites who are around him, who agreed to come on this journey with him. And uh, it then says, Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them. Now I think... This passage is really a timeless challenge for us today, a challenge from God. If we are to accept this gift of home from him, uh, we have to take our responsibility of stewardship of it properly. Can we honestly say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? So like Joshua, we need to stand up and we need to bat away what is getting in the way of us doing that. Uh, in his case, it was false gods, false worship, false idol, but in our case, I think it's perhaps this uh, concern that we're outsourcing our responsibility. And we need to take back that responsibility because it's God-given.
So perhaps it's a, uh, a good time over the next few days to have a conversation with your spouse, a conversation with your housemates, a conversation with your family and say, what can we do to start to cultivate an air of faith, hope and love? I think there's hundreds of ways we can serve the Lord in our homes, uh, but I think they largely fall into two categories, uh, how we serve the Lord in our private homes and in our public homes. So perhaps this Christmas time, um, as you've got some time off work, maybe, or all your studies, think about what can I do in my private home? This is the place where just you and your household uh, are when the doors are shut. What can you do? Perhaps it can start with a simple thing of saying grace at Christmas dinner. Perhaps it can start with when you put your baby down to sleep at night, just saying a prayer over them. Perhaps when you're back to work and you return in home, commit to spending 30, days without, uh, 30 minutes without technology uh, so that you can have a good conversation with whoever else is in your house. And what can you do with your public home? This is a place where everyone else gets to benefit as well from your gift. Uh, there's a book by an American author titled uh, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And I think that title alone is enough of a challenge. It's quite the statement. The Gospel Comes with a House Key. It's a book on radically ordinary hospitality, as it's described in the book, uh, and it says about using your home in a way that makes strangers neighbours and neighbours family of God. So do you feel like your house is in a neighbourhood of neighbours or of strangers? Perhaps you've considered the power of the invite and inviting people into your home, but how how do you do that? Well, this Christmas time, we're putting Christmas cards through people's doors. Maybe that stranger on the corner of your road who lives all alone, who's all a bit of a mystery and has been for years, you can put a well-thought-out Christmas card through his letterbox with a message of love and a message of an invite. So what does home mean to me? To me, it's a God-given place for cultivating in the private uh, faith, love and hope. And it's also a place in the public, a platform to show faith, hope and love to those around us. So, third person I want to invite up is Denise. So, Denise, you want to come up? Denise has not been here since the beginning, but I know it's going to be a little, and it's going to come into part of what she's saying. So, I'm not going to say too much more. I'm going to pray for you, and then um, off we go. Father God, I want to thank you for Denise. Thank you for all you've done in her, all you're doing through her. God, would you open our ears to hear what you've got for us? In Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 7, 24 to 27, the wise and foolish builders. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When I was asked to talk about what home meant to me, my first thought was my house. I've been there 27 years. It was supposed to be a starter home, and I never quite got round to moving on. When I first bought it, I was young and newly engaged, and it represented freedom from my parents. It represented love and joy and hope for the future. Seven years on, the relationship was a mess. I ended it, he left, and I stayed on at house. 
it was worth half what we'd paid for it with rising interest rates and only my salary coming in. Wisdom told me to stand my ground and stay where I was, but it took strength and courage to cope with that. And it took enormous self-control to watch every penny that was coming in to pay the bills and keep the roof over my head. After a couple of years, I was promoted at work and I became a manager. And suddenly I had this thing called disposable income. And I wanted to put my identity on the house. I designed it, I decorated it, I lavished money on belongings and material possessions. And there were holidays, so many holidays, coming back with souvenirs and mementos of my travels. But my house was my sanctuary during that time. And I'd walk home from work every day and with each step getting close to my front door, I could feel myself decompress until I walked through and closed the door behind me and started to relax. Over the coming years, I started to get more and more promotions, bigger and bigger projects, more people working for me, and the money was getting more. And so was the lifestyle. It was getting more and more extravagant and decadent. Um, there were more holidays, more, more time at the weekends. Um, but the lines were blurring between home and work. I was working longer and longer hours. I was taking work home with me. I was getting calls on the evenings and the weekends. I was starting to get nightmares, insomnia. I was binge eating, I was drinking. Basically, I was unraveling. One Thursday morning at the end of August, it all came to a head. There was another confrontation and something just snapped in my head. All I could hear was this high-pitched scream and all I could say was, I can't do this anymore. I grabbed my car keys and I headed for home and I almost made it. I made it as far as my garage where I sat in my car for four hours feeling completely guilty and shameful that I'd let everybody down. I felt completely worthless, like there was nothing else left. And through it all, I felt like I was just a burden to everybody and that everybody would be better off without me. And the only way I could think of of making all this pain and this pressure stop was to just to end it all. After four hours, I phoned my best friend, Helen. As soon as I said, I can't do this anymore, she came round. She talked me into the house. She kept me on the phone where I unlocked the front door and curled up in a ball. And when she arrived, she picked me up like a child. She put me to bed. She held my hand and she told me I was safe. And she stayed with me until the darkness passed and I felt better. It was six months before I could go back to work. And during that time, my home was my fortress. It protected me. I didn't have to go out and I didn't have to let anybody in. But ultimately, it was my garden that healed me. I spent that time digging it, planning it, planting it. And when it started to bloom in the spring, I went back to work. And it gave me something to rush home to every night. I went back to being a manager and I managed it for another year. But the whole of the time, I was right on the edge, on the brink. And after a year, I decided to step down. I stayed at the company for another three years, but ultimately it was still the same atmosphere, the same culture, and things were never going to get any better. So eight years ago, I left on Christmas Eve. I went back to college and I retrained as a gardener, and I've been doing that ever since. And a lot of the people that I work for are Christians, and I used to see in them something that I'd not seen before. They had this strength, this purpose, and this peace that I'd never really experienced, and I found that really intriguing. And then last year, one of them gave me an invite to Alpha. God invited me into his house. He invited me to meet his family and get to know them. 
I formed a relationship with his son and through Jesus Christ I encountered the Holy Spirit. And through all of that, I was given an instruction manual. And at first I questioned what was relevant about this and what this would mean in our lives today. But actually when you read that passage, you realize it's more relevant than ever because we build our lives on sand. We build our lives on relationships, on money, on our career, on our properties, on our possessions, on our material belongings. When actually these things ebb and flow with the tide, none of them are guaranteed. And God gives us the option to build our lives on the rock. He provides the foundations and we have to just build the house. And every time we gather here, every time we pray or we receive strength or comfort or answer to prayer, every time we worship, every time we do fellowship outside church, or we see God moving in our lives or in the lives of others around us, that's another brick in the wall of the house that we're all building on that rock. And I'd say to everybody here tonight, think about where and how you would like to build your house and where you would like to make home. So, Preach Mania number four. Last but certainly not least, I'm going to invite Caleb up to come and share with us. Caleb, we, I discovered recently, you said you've been with us since the very beginning, yeah. like the first evening. Yeah. Do you know what we... Really? Which is, so when we, the first night, we were, most of us were completely new to Derby. We didn't know anybody in Derby and hundreds of people rocked up. And it was just, so for me, it was just this sea of faces. But now when I look back at the pictures, there's kind of, oh, there's so-and-so and there's that. But I didn't know where they were there. I didn't know who they were. So um, there you were. Amazing. Father God, thank you so much for Caleb. Thank you for your love for him. Holy Spirit, would you open our ears to you? Amen. Thanks, Andy. Um, well, just like Andy said, my name's Caleb, and when, when they asked me to talk, of, talk about home, um, I was like, ooh, that's interesting. Very juicy topic. Um, but I, I, came, I came to understand that home means um, different things to different people, and usually it changes with circumstances, really. Um, for those of you who also don't know, I'm originally from India, um, and... When I was younger, really young, um, I wasn't coping um, very well with school. So I moved away from my parents to go and live with my grandparents um, to a different school in a different city. And, and it, was, it was moving home for me. Um, and, uh, and looking back at it now, it, is, it was a good thing that I did move away because I did do very well, that I thrived um, in that particular school. Um, and uh, over the holidays, I, I would go back to mom and dad's, and literally every chance I got, over the weekends mostly, um, I'd go back to mom and dad's. Um, so in my head, as a, as a young chap, I, um, my thought process was I had two homes, one with mom and dad and one with my grandparents. And it was fine for me, and, and that's how I grew up. And I, I spent like 12, 13 years like that. Um, and it was fine. Um, fast forwarding, a lot of years, um, I moved to Derby, and I remember checking the, the climate the week I was flying in um, to Heathrow, and I said, oh, it's sunny, and there's gonna be breezy weather, and it's nice, and this and that, and I remember walking up to the halls of residence just down there. Um, I was drenched, pouring, cold, um, 
I walked up to the reception, pulling all my luggage, because I'd literally carried my life in a suitcase. Um, went to the reception desk, and this really nice person, I can't remember her name, um, but she's like, oh, are you, where are you from? And I was like, oh, I'm from India. And she's like, oh, and, and her jaw just dropped. And, and in my head, I'm like, oh, is she okay? Like, is she having a panic attack because I'm from India? And she's like, oh, why have you come to Derby? Like, you left India, the, the beautiful weather, and you've come here, and I'm like, yeah, I did that. Well, that's what happened. Um, but little did I know um, that I'll be making Derby my home too. Um, and so then, in my, then I remember thinking maybe a month or so in, I was like, oh, so I've got three homes now because I've got Derby, I've got my parents, my mom and dad, and then originally where, my gran where I lived with my grandparents. Um, so I've got three homes in my head. And, and I was like, oh, that, that seems a bit funny in my head. Um, but as time went on, I um, began to realize that it's not the place, but it's the people that made it home for me. Um, and that's a really funny thing. Um, and I remember once, a lot of the people know this, a lot of people who well, know me know the story, is I did get, <laughs> I got told off for calling Derby home once. Um, but that's another story. Um, quite funny, I might add. Um, but it, it happened, and I, I wasn't ashamed to call Derby home, really. Um, um, uh, it made me wonder, it made me contemplate looking back at it all. And in my head, I was like, but this makes no sense. Because home is one place, like, I go then, that is my home. But now I have three places, so am I not giving my dues to one of the homes? It, it just didn't add up in my head. Um, and, and when I started thinking about the meaning of home, it, it's a place where I can find rest, a place I feel loved, a place where I can um, let down my barriers, or hang up my coat, as one of my friends put it. Um, home is a place where I'm not judged and I can be the person I am. Um, when I hear people use the word home, I immediately think of that. It's, it's literally a place of comfort and of warmth. Um, and, and as I furthered my journey with, um, with Jesus and with God, um, the meaning of home did change for me. Um, and, and the reason it changed is because um, my perspective changed. Um, there's this very famous saying, and Hannah already co quoted it, um, but home is where the heart is. And if that's true, then home is not a place, but home is a feeling. Um, and I think that's what gives us the means to say that we feel at home. Um, most of the time, I feel at home literally behind the desk or on stage, as a lot of people do, but that's just me. Um, the other week, uh, Phil talked about the prodigal son, and... I really like how he put it, it, and he called it the story of the ridiculous father. And that couldn't be more true, really. Um, it didn't matter what the son had done or the mistakes he made, but he went home. His father welcomed him home. Um, and, and the important thing there was, I think his father, the actions that his father did was more meaningful than the act of the son, because his father had his hands um, opened, and, you know, he's like, I'm going to hug you now. And he was like, he, he was welcomed home. Um, Jesus says, and I think it should come on the screens, um, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come unto me all, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So if the father welcomed his child with a hug, and if Jesus promises to give you rest, that sounds like home to me. Um, and because home is more than a feeling, home is more of a feeling than a place, I pray that um, we feel the overwhelming love of Jesus and, and the love that he just has to offer. And uh, it, it struck me when um, they were leading worship 
that one of the bridges in the songs, it, it goes, there's no shadow you won't light up, no mountain you won't climb up coming after me. And that really struck me because that, that's what my father would do for me and that's what I can go running to because he's, he's paving the way for me. Um, Jesus calls us to take off the smile we put on because it was appropriate to lay down our troubles and sorrows, to lay down the events of a bad day, to come to his warm embrace because he's waiting with arms wide open just to accept us for who we are. And it doesn't, if that doesn't sound like home, I really don't know what is. And I, I include myself when I say this, go back to the Father, go back to Jesus, go back home. <laughs>